Welcome to the Supply Chain Visibility Stories, the podcast for supply chain managers. Brought to you by Axis, the 100% supply chain visibility cloud solution provider. Supply Chain Visibility Stories is hosted by Bill Wall, a technology industry veteran and enterprise software professional. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Today marks the next in a series of discussions exploring the intersection of technology and business. Our discussions are designed to be brief and focused, and we're hoping this podcast format inspires our audience to think about how technology impacts their own organizations and to engage with us as our series continues. I'll have information about how to engage with the series and our guests at the end of today's discussion. My name is Bill Wall, and I'm honored to be the host of this series brought to you by Axis. I'm always fascinated by the business challenges faced by companies and how those challenges can be addressed by technology. We started our series exploring some of the macro trends facing companies today and including the sort of fascinating world of supply chain, which is suddenly back in focus again, somewhat because of the pandemic, but somewhat because of some systemic changes in how business is being done in today's global world. So we've been digging a bit deeper on these topics. Today, again, we welcome two guests, John DePaulo, Axis's Chief Strategy Officer, and Rob McGee, a blockchain and serialization expert. So, John, let's start with you and welcome back to the program. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me again. So let's set the stage. We've been talking in our podcast series about a range of different industries and business challenges and how companies are addressing the unique challenges of, say, the food industry or the chemical industry. But today we want to go back to talking about technology uh, and, and in particular, somehow new technologies are making solving these problems possible. I've learned as we've talked to you through this series that not all technology works for all people. So when I raise today's topic, blockchain, it strikes me that it may work for some business challenges, but may not work for all. Is that correct? I think that's a great point, Bill. You know, when, when we look at blockchain, you know, and blockchain is an interesting world, you know, it's a, it's a word that has taken technology by storm. Uh, you know, everyone is looking at it in different ways, uh, you know, and, and blockchain, if you listen to the hype, you know, is all things to all people. And the reality is that blockchain is a fantastic technology and it needs to be applied at the right point in time for the right use case. Uh, it, you can't use it for everything. Um, it won't solve all of the different problems around visibility in your supply chain, but it will solve some very specific problems where you need to have immutable evidence of a document or a transaction or something else within your supply chain mm -hmm. that you want to make sure that when you share it, it is the correct information done at the correct time and you can rely on that. So blockchain as a technology um, is fantastic, but we need to apply it in the right point in time and for the right use case. So that's my opinion um, on blockchain. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that uh, there is a lot of confusion and, it, you know, the more we can get a handle on simplifying the use cases, I think the better off we'll be. All right. Sounds good. That gives us a great opportunity to welcome Rob McGee to the program. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about your background, help our audience understand how you come into this issue of blockchain. Sure. So I've been in supply chain technology for roughly 20 years. Um, I'm also working with a company called Vantage Consulting Group, which that is our specialty as well, whether it's packaging line integration or software engineering around that space. And then in addition to that, um, I have a background in blockchain as well, which is consulting for a company that does Bitcoin mining. And then 
just in general as a as a hobby. I've built some Ethereum miners and things like that, just to kind of learn about the space um, and get an intellectual foothold on what's been going on in this whole you know revolution that that, that we're witnessing. Right. So that's my background. Well, it's great to have you on the program, I, Rob. One of the one of the things that I've discovered about technology is people could get really sort of caught up in technology for technology's sake. But in the end of the day, they have business problems that need to be solved. So uh, let's maybe start there. What are some of the challenges that companies are facing in making their supply chains really work more efficiently where blockchain might be appropriate? What are the typical scenarios where it fits in? So going forward, right? I mean, if you look at smart contracts, right, where, where you have um, self-executing code on the blockchain, where you can predefine a relationship between two entities, and you can you can you can have an automated, um, intelligent um, transaction take place without humans being involved, right? Um, so you, you start looking out, and I don't want to sound like uh, Kathy Woods or Elon Musk or anything, but when you look, you start looking out into the future. And you could see fully automated supply chains. And what I mean by that is like self-driving trucks pulling up to automated warehouses. And you have smart contracts executing in place, you know, maybe consulting off-chain oracles for such things as like um, inventory and, and other types of data that might not be appropriate to be on-chain. Um, you could start to see how this really makes sense in specific areas of, you know, uh, very far in the horizon uh, supply chain scenarios. Uh, I don't think so much in the space that we typically talk about it, where we're talking about serialization or kind of product authentication or track and trace like that. I think that's probably something that'll be supplied by an off-chain Oracle. I don't, I don't know if people are familiar with that term. I'm happy to go into that a little bit more, but because um, there are systems that are just better at supplying simple things like a serial number list, and, and you know, relational databases do great jobs at certain things, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. But um, I think that might be a long-winded answer to a short question, but you know, I hope hopefully I hit the, the topic there. No, I, I hear what you're saying. So if I put it in, in somewhat simplistic language, what you're suggesting looking into the future is that as shipping systems, logistics systems, supply chain systems get ever more sophisticated, right. behind them, the requirements for data and documentation will increase. In some models, in order for those systems to work autonomously, the data systems have to work autonomously. And that's where blockchain has the best opportunity to have value. Am I saying that the right way? Correct. And it also has an internet native um, behind, you know, you know, when you look at cryptocurrencies and things like that, it also has internet native financial pathways as well, right? So that's, that's kind of what the internet's been lacking for the last 20 years, right? Is, is kind of a native um, currency, so to speak. And I'm not saying it has to be Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, but when these smart contracts execute, you know, the transfer of funds and the, you know, the existence of wallets on blockchain and things like mm -hmm. that, um, those types of things, if you look out and you really do think we are going to get to a very automated future, which most people do agree that's where we're heading, um, you're going to see things like what I just described where a smart contract where, you know, potentially one automated machine, let's say a truck, is paying another automated machine, let's say an automated warehouse, the contract executes at the point where the goods go on the truck, and then the, and then the funds flow from one organization to another, one wallet to another, however you want to see it. Um, I do believe that's where we're headed, and I do believe that's um, where you'll see the first um, really kind of disruptive blockchain implementation inside of supply chain. I could probably you know I could be wrong about that, but that's 
you know, from everything I'm seeing and how, you know, the, the development of smart contracts and as they get more sophisticated um, and on-chain oracles become more um, available for different types of things, um, I, I do believe that's where we're headed. So what you're suggesting, um, again, I'm going to say it in a more simplistic fashion, just to make sure the audience picks up on it is, you know, we've been talking in this podcast series about the transfer of information, you know, the, mm-hmm. where there are gaps in supply chain management, whether it's location of product or where it is in work in progress, mm-hmm. or is it actually in inventory or is it in workflow? That's the capture out at the edge, mm-hmm. IoT based data capture. But I think what you're describing is in addition to the data moving seamlessly system to system, the associated payments have to as well. So blockchain is a technology that makes it possible for those data and finance flows to seamlessly work together across systems. Is that the way to think about it? Yeah, everybody thinks about blockchain. They, they mostly think about Bitcoin, right? Or they think about like, you know, um, you know there's, there's a, a hyperledger like business blockchains out there. But really, I do believe the revolution is coming in smart contracts where it's exactly what you just described, where the details around the transactions like lot, batch, things like that, maybe purchase order, all that type of information is bundled into the smart contract, um, executed in an automated fashion. And the payment rails are there too, right? The payment rails have been missing from all this stuff because we do have systems that do things like I just described, like if you look at like EDI or something like that, you can you can, you can have these types of interactions from uh, business to business. Um, but having a full automated system, like I just described, where you have these contractual agreements declared on the blockchain and then executed in an automated fashion from like machine to machine, you know, and then there's no third party trusted system for the payment rails, like the bank, you know, whoever your bank is, and maybe you're transferring, maybe there's you know, it goes on the SWIFT network or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, you end up with um, third trusted party system is gone and the payment rails become blockchain internet native. Um, that's um, less interesting to me in when you look at the United States or you look at, you know, domestic trade. Mm-hmm. When you look at international trade, payment rails <laughs> become really, really important. Really important, right? So when, you, when, you're, when you're shipping, a, when, a, when, a, when a boat arrives... With all these goods on it, you know, and, and if you can imagine an automated dock, an automated boat, you know, an automated systems for handling all these things. Um, if you can execute these smart contracts and have the payment rails execute in a somewhat um, automated fashion with no risk of rollback, which like you have on the SWIFT networks and things like that, you, you can see how this might be a really revolutionary area in supply chain. And again, not so much where I think people are focused, which is like traceability and things like that, but I think... In those types of um, scenarios, um, it's more likely to see disruption from blockchain. In in, but good that you mentioned that because in in the previous podcast where we've been talking about things like traceability, uh, the use of RFID technology, the mm-hmm. verification of you know food temperature, there's any range of issues that we talked about. Um, those data points are absolutely essential. If an automated blockchain mm-hmm. is going to work. The, the system has to have these feeds that assure yes. products in the right place at the right time. It's in a steady state that it's supposed to be in. So if you're ever going to get to ultimately what blockchain deliver, you've got to clean up all of those information gaps in your supply chain really as a precursor step, right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's when I, I started talking about on-chain oracles. And if you look at like the, the chain link project where they're putting like weather data on the the chain and they're putting, you know, they're allowing you to put anything you want onto the chain so that when you execute a smart contract, you can do it contextually, 
right? Um, and that's to say, like, maybe I'm looking for inventory for a specific product um, that's closest to me geographically, and maybe you're, you're looking for weather patterns that are not disruptive to a shipment or something like that, right? So that your smart contract can execute, pull data off-chain, like you were saying, temperature data, maybe from sensors or things like that. Um, so maybe the contract doesn't execute if it notices the temperature data it pulled into the contract was not it destroyed the product or made it you know, possible for a recall or something so, along this. So one last question, because I think we could probably dedicate more than a few podcasts on these topics. There's a lot of ground. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a broad, yeah. Who in, the, who in the value chain from the manufacturer to the ultimate customer and there's shippers and distributors in between, who typically would own the requirement for setting up and building the blockchain? Where in the supply chain is the ownership of that process? Is it should we assume that that's going to be the the smart progressive manufacturer who's going to say, "I got a better way to service everyone down the supply chain. I'm going to own that." I mean, I'm, I'm I'm taking a guess here, but I think this is going to end up, you know, on the on something close to what Ethereum looks like now. Um, building your own blockchain, getting a consortium of companies together to build a useful blockchain, I think, is less likely than than, than using a useful blockchain that's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, the security mechanisms and the and anonymity are already there. So, um, you know, there, there are security concerns around uh, smart contracts being hacked, right? So mm-hmm. contracts are technically, they're like wallets. They do carry a balance or can carry a balance rather. So there's issues with that when it comes to the uh, payment rails I talked about. But I think I think ultimately, and you're starting to see it now, companies are starting to put, you know, automated um they're starting to put these smart contracts out there and they're starting to leverage them. And I think you get a network effect. One of the networks is going to win. It's like, yep. will it be the best one? It's like VHS versus Betamax, right? Whichever network wins, I think that's going to be the smart contract platform. And there's there's another reason I, I feel that way. And it has less to do with the technology or you know really anything like that. I think the brain trust, if you look at technologies that evolves and you look at Web 3.0 and smart contracts and Ethereum and these kind of ecosystems and Chainlink and these things that we're talking about. I mean, all the brightest minds are heading into that space. So it's going to be hard for like an industry like pharma, which, you know, pharma is great at making uh, chemical compounds and, and drugs. You could argue that their IT departments aren't the best, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... I think when you look at technology, you also have to follow the developers, right? So the developers and the biggest minds in the space are moving into that area, into the Ethereum area, into the Bitcoin area. Bitcoin will be less of a, less of a, it won't be, I don't believe it'll be the smart contract platform that I I was referring to. But in any event, that's another reason I feel that way, that it's going to end up being one of these more, for lack of a better term, a public blockchain. That's really helpful. And Rob, it sets up uh, our our last question, John. We don't have a lot of time left, but I'll throw this one to you quickly. We often end these podcasts with the, okay, that sounds like a lot. How do I get started? What's your best advice to companies in thinking about how they should plan for the implementation of of smart contracts and, and blockchain? I think in, in like all things, uh, you know, when we talk about this particular subject, I think, you know, you learn by doing, um, and I think that you need to really start to look at, you know, can I put a contextual pilot together that allows me to start to know how to talk to the blockchain and receive information from the blockchain and integrate it into my ERP environment. Right. Yes. Um, and you know, once you do that, you should then take those learnings 
and model out a supply chain process that is important to you and that is important to your partners um, and start to integrate the blockchain um, technology and, and the blockchain processes that you have done those learnings on into that process. And I think that's key for getting started. And once you get that and you can get it into a repeatable fashion, then you'll start to see other areas where the blockchain will become important to your business or to your partners or to your supply chain. And you should expand appropriately based upon your learnings and what others are doing. And also keep track of what's going on with the technology because as it changes and as it matures, uh, you need to be able to adjust. So that's you know, how I think about how to get started. Uh, lot, lot, and, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff, John. I agree with that completely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Lots of stuff to talk about. And I think, John, where where we are is that between you and Rob, we've got a lot of material here uh, to talk about. This next level of uh, technology and advancement will make uh, the business of supply chain ever more interesting. I, I'd like to thank our blockchain expert, Rob McGee, for being with us on this program. And of course, our repeat guest, John DiPaolo, Chief Strategy Officer at Access. Guys, uh, thanks very much. That wraps up today's podcast. My thanks to Access for making this podcast series possible. We welcome your comments and questions about the discussions on these podcasts. You can engage with us at the official Access's Twitter and LinkedIn accounts, and please be a part of the discussion. I'm your host, Bill Wall, and for everyone at Access, thanks for joining. We look forward to our next podcast. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to Supply Chain Visibility Stories, brought to you by Axis, the 100% supply chain visibility cloud solution provider. Visit us on the web at axisinc.com. That's A-C-S-I-S-I-N-C.com. Or join the dialogue on social media. Look for Axis Inc. on LinkedIn and Twitter. Join us next time for Supply Chain Visibility Stories, brought to you by Axis.